Hello. Hello. I'm Nikki Pope. And I'm Lily Cox. And this is the Respectfully Podcast. We are delighted to welcome to this podcast, Joe Robertson, Global Head of Education for a very large education company and professional toolmaker. Thank you for joining us to talk about education today. Um, and we're also joined by Carolyn Newman, Director of Colour and Education Consultancy, or Director of her own Colour and Education you. Consultancy brand. And I think, Hi. and then importantly, you are both hairdressers yep. at mm, heart. Yeah. So I think that is an important part of, of the view you have and where, where you... Yeah, I think thirty. Well, I'm thirty years in this now, unfortunately. <laughs> sort of, keep saying thirty years. Um, unfortunately, I'm thirty eight years <laughs> in this in, industry. But I do see it as a positive because I feel that I'm even. I get more excited about my craft now. It's still important that you are hairdressers first, and that informs what you do now and the way you relate to people. Or is that not so important? Absolutely for me, for um, working for a brand, I think that's the, the, the key part of what I have to do is think about what would I want to do as a hairdresser? How do I want to learn? Is this relevant for the hairdressing industry? And we, I'm sure we're going to get onto this, the changing world that we're in within education. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, talk about millennials and, and it's not that, you know, Carol and I have been in this 30 years. It's not that we don't like millennials. We absolutely do. And that's the future of our industry. It's just adapting. And you, uh, you've got to put yourself into a millennial mind frame when I'm thinking yeah. about education. And Carolyn? You're I think um, it's really important. And I do think as a hairdresser, I'm spending a lot of time at the moment educating on the non-skill side, but the communication skill side of things and consultation. And for me... That's where I started and that was my love when I was on the floor doing clients' hair and I still do do clients' hair. Uh, so I'm still a acting hairdresser so it is important but I want to be able to take that and educate so that young hairdressers have the right skills so they can have a successful career in hairdressing. Mm. So to kick the conversation off, mm -hmm. I'm interested, where... Do you imagine that for um, a hairdresser who might be, say, between the age of 20 and 30, where on the scale of 1 to 10 do you think education sits these days generally? What's your feeling? Is it higher? Is it a 9 or 10 importance? Or do you think it's lower than a 5 importance? I think, um, I think with colour, the way the colour is changing at the moment, I think that the people are, are wanting to learn more, especially a lot more techniques you know, we've moved away from just doing foils over the last 10 years and there's, there's so much more freedom. But I think for styling as much, styling education has definitely changed because of um, YouTube, Instagram. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, younger people on there and it's more the Insta-famous that we're sort of working with at the moment rather than um, branded education. I think people want to see what's happening here and now and that's for me is where education is, is completely changing. You can't plan six months ahead, you can't plan 18 months ahead, it's now. Mm. I think um, with younger um, hairdressers as well, I think they don't think so much immediately about education. I think they get through their training, mm. become qualified and then I think they're a bit unsure now where, where to go because we are inundated 
online and social media and on the internet with so much education now. Um, so it's choosing the right one that's going to make an impact on your, your skills. So I still think they need a bit of guidance, but yeah. definitely I feel they are starting to think that they have to keep learning because our world is like that. As Joe said, mm-hmm. with, inst- with um, the Insta stories and with people on YouTube, you know, yeah. clients are showing us how to start. <laughs> yeah. So the hairdresser needs uh, But the to... danger is, just because it's out there doesn't yeah. make it good. No, so no. Exactly. It's, it's the Wikipedia generation. Yes. I'm constantly trying to explain to my kids that just because it's in Wikipedia doesn't make it true. <laughs> <laughs> I think as um, the missing part that we've had in the past um, five years, previous five years, is the missing the hands-on education. Mm-hmm. I think uh, a lot of people have, like rightly said, have qualified and coming through, and you can learn how to do a technique by just watching a YouTube mm-hmm. video. Well, yeah, you can, and I've tried it as well, but there's nothing more rewarding and inspiring is actually getting to learn yeah. hands-on. You can't watch how to apply a colour and, and feel the hair or learn how to braid and not getting someone to show you expertly on a YouTube video. That's an important part of this and we absolutely need to explore that further and we need to be part of that generation. But it, it needs to, I think we need to get back to sort of getting hands on and learning the craft. I don't want us to turn into this kind of Instagram, I'll, I'll just watch a story and I can learn how to cut a bob. No, yeah. you can't. No, no, I totally agree with that. And I, I like it because it's a bit of an introduction, but you've got to see it as an introduction mm. to, oh, I really like that technique, I really like that result, I want to go and learn how to do that. And I was fortunate because I grew up in a company that was obsessed with education. So every single person in the company had an education plan every year you did one or two two courses um, and they did always commit a budget and I would say to salon owners you need to think about your whole team and how you can expand the skills and, and whether it's colour or cut or styling the hands-on approach the look and learn like a demo in the morning the afternoon or actually taking communication skills techniques and tips it's going to be more important than ever going forward for the millennials as well. Absolutely. I think the freedom um, of, of being able to sort of just go and learn and to come back and to feel inspired also helps with um, client retention, yeah. staff retention, all those things I think is, is super important. And we are losing a lot of hairstylists at the moment to the freelance world mm-hmm. and I think salons are finding that really difficult and yeah they're pulling back a little bit but I think now's the time to invest more in education yeah. and more to sort of like you know keep the craft where it is um because so I'm I'm just a bit like oh you know the amount of freelancers that were sort of leaving the hairdressing industry what's attracting you to this um yeah. is it the freedom that you can go and do what you want when you want but I think, you know, you, we've, we've got a place in here. Mm. Something that Lily and I often hear from salon owners is, oh, but, you know, what about the return on investment? I pay for them to go on these courses, and then what if they still leave me? I, I personally think it's got to come way before that. So if you do invest training in someone, if it's a uh, lower-cost course, you've got to think, what is a return? For me, whenever I sent anyone on a course, they would come back to the salon and have a post-course meeting. 
and it was what skills they'd learned, what confidence they had, and then from that we would do an action plan. And that action plan could be if they went on a retail course, um, I would look at their the retail and their recommendation to improve. If they went on a colour, I would I would be expecting for it to improve. So I looked at short term plans. Yeah. Because if you think, well, if I invest lots into them. If you invest a lot of money, and there's things like master courses, mm. colour specialist degrees, all the big um, colour houses have these programmes now that are very expensive, they're three, four thousand pounds, then yes, you need to tie that person in for a couple of years so you do get that return. And most salons do that. But with the smaller courses, I would be looking at a short term plan and go in six months, you're going to, uh, to achieve this and you're going to get this confidence and the benefit a lot of people go on courses and come back and then just work in the salon as they'd worked before i always looked for a difference even if it was a small difference i would not send anyone on training for training's sake it had to have a financial return to the business and to come back and share it yeah exactly i was going to say do you think that there is for younger people almost too much choice at the moment in terms of education i know a lot of brands offer it i know there's a lot of private academies out there that offer it i know there's a lot of online um subscription programs do you you think that that kind of um overwhelms yeah Mm -hmm. is overwhelming i i personally do and if i was back in in my salon and I was to sort of look and people come with these enormous books and you're like oh there's there's so much in here um and then you've got the other end of the scale where you've got um freelancers that are offering bespoke education as well you know that's a big trend that's coming through at the moment well, that's which, growing, yeah, yes. yeah, you know we, we're getting more of a sort of like tailor-made yeah so it is and I think you've hit the nail on the head earlier, Carolyn. It's about finding your absolute need. What do you need? And find the right company or person that can mm. provide that for you. Mm. I think, I think I totally agree. I think we've had an explosion of education, which I think is very exciting. But, you know, go back, you know, 10, 15 years, only the big brands offered education. Mm. And you have now got... And I suppose you have people, you know, my age that are, that are like me that were the educators in salons and, and are now, you know, offering a freelance. And one of my biggest part of my business is going into a salon and making it bespoke for the team. And also it's cost effective for the salon because instead of sending, you know, ten people on my course, they can then or on a course, they can have me covering a few different topics in what in one day. Um, but there is there is the explosion, but it is much more down to guiding someone on what training they need. And I, th- and I think that's where probably salon owners need to, rather than just say, you must go on this course, or, or this has just come through my inbox, I'll send you, is really think about what is this going to do for my, for my business? Um, is it going to drive it forward? Sure. I, I mean, I have noticed that a lot of maybe the younger generation want to go onto social media courses in mm-hmm. particular, rather than more skills-based, like styling or cutting and finishing. And how you know, to build their profile. We talked already about the Insta-famous yeah. thing. Like, how how do you feel about that, I suppose, that they're trying to build themselves as a brand rather than their skill set? I think you've always got to build yourself as a brand. I think you'd be very naive in this world not to have a brand now. You've got a platform like Instagram and all the other mm. other ones are available. <laughs> um, but um, that's my chosen one of choice. Yeah. Um, 
but you've got this great platform um and for me i think you always have to make sure that if someone looks at your page who are you you should sort of look at your your initial page and tell you who you are your front page is the most important part that you have of your Instagram. Your stories can tell other, th- other things, stories even. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, your Instagram is that. And we are seeing a lot more people wanting to learn how to do this because eventually you will be, your salon will be deemed successful or not by its social media. And yeah. that is coming very, very quickly. Because I think yeah. we've got an issue now with there being a lot of education not all great and it's how we try to get back to the standards and the quality and how we control the monster mm. that is the internet mm. <laughs> um, and free education I know is, is a, a tricky concept for a lot of hairdressers uh, and influencers who just really rue the fact that there is so much free education out there which makes it devalue people aren't paying for education mm. as much perhaps because they feel they can go online and find it yeah, but then brands also do offer free education as well, you know, and it's it's that's part of when you're loyal to a brand and you stock a brand, you will get a certain level of free education as well. So it, it is out there, hands-on education as well. I don't just mean online education. There is the still brands will support you like that. And I think it's you've for me you've got to build a relationship with the brand that you want. The more of a stronger relationship that you have, the better the sort of like things you'll get, the offers and the... Yeah, you can have a stronger conversation about this is what we need. Can you supply it? Yes, we'll do it. We'll create it. We'll bespoke it for you. I I also think that um, salon owners that have more smaller salons or they've just set up on their own, sometimes they're a little bit scared when they get their brand in of not saying you know, can we have some training, we'd like to learn this. And I keep saying to these people, you have to ask, contact mm. them and say, you know, if you come in and deliver this for us, we will sell your, your product. Um, and I think they feel sometimes that they're in a pecking order, you know, maybe a bigger salon down the road stocks the same sort of product or the same sort of tools, um, where actually they, they can offer it just as much, but they have to ask and go in and say, you know, I'd always, no matter where I worked, I would always ask the brands that we worked with for an education meeting. And I'd want to discuss education for my team. Yeah, good advice. Um, and it wouldn't matter if I was a smaller salon or a bigger salon, it would make no difference. I would always want to know what they can offer. And, you know, support me. I might not get it all free, but also support me in how I can ensure. Because we all know with brands, with products, if you know that product, you sell it with confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all about confidence. So I think sometimes what online doesn't do is sell you that confidence. Carolyn, you talked about the importance of a salon looking at the particular needs of a member of the team. What about the concept of training together as a team, education as a team? Do we send one person to something and get them to report back and share, which can work? Or how valuable is it to have a group experience i think i think both are important um i am definitely seeing more where where cost is a factor that people are bringing people in so doing their whole team there's there is definitely into the salon so um go into the salon and it can be either bespoke course or it can be a course offer prospectus but the whole team do it um even the assistants get involved so if it's practical they'll pair up with the stylist 
and do hair so that they're really learning at the same time. The power of having your team trained together, I think, is a very powerful tool because it filters through the energy through the entire salon and then they also can support each other through that. Yeah. Um, if you want someone to go on a course, and maybe it is a bit more expensive, but it's going to be valuable to the team, so it might be a high-end colour or high-end styling course, you need to be selective with the person who you choose to go on it that they can come back and share those skills. So they can do demos and so maybe they've got a little bit of a senior stylist position, um, someone who's got a little bit more experience. When I plan education, I'm really conscious that it's got to be fun, it's got to be engaging, they've got to walk away with the key messages, but it's not got to feel like sell, sell, sell when you're when you're doing that. As a hairdresser, the, the thing to turn me off the quickest is if you say, right, okay, these are the key messages, this is what you've got to do, this is this. And they, they're like, oh, God, look, I'm selling me, selling something to me and mm -hmm. I don't like it. Mm -hmm. Hairdressers, you know, we all know as a hairdresser, we don't like to retail. We recommend. Um, so retailing is almost like a dirty word to us. You know, I'm not going to sell a client a product. I'm going to tell her how amazing this product is. I'm comfortable with doing that and saying, this is a really great product. You're going to love this. And explain to the benefits like that. But the moment we start trying to get them to retail, that's when you're going to get them looking out the window and thinking, oh, I'd rather be at home. Bringing Lily in, who's a different generation from us, how <laughs> what the classrooms look like these days is different than the education setting yeah i think that's definitely the case i think uh, nikki and i were talking about it earlier that the younger generations are so distracted by so many things at one time so when you are doing homework or essays or any of that kind of stuff you have music on and you have your phone going on and you're watching something in the background and you're trying to read your notes so i think being interactive in your education is such a strong element because it means that you are engaging that person and they're not able to be able to do anything else at the same time they are genuinely focusing in on what you're doing so it's an interesting one how do you well I'll ask this to you Joe first but like how do you see your brand's education growing to make it more interactive in that way or, or shorter as you know yeah, just shorter. <laughs> I think um, it's being aware of who your audience are. So exactly what you said. And I'm, I'm far from a millennial. I have a, a millennial child. Um, so, and it's just watching, learning, seeing how people are learning. Um, and you, you will see what sort of, you know, the, the tours and the interactive sessions mm -hmm. seem to be a lot more popular because people are really enjoying that element of it combining the social media in there exactly what you were saying it's 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 got to be so much going on for me for how I learn is very different um and it's just a generation thing and it's having the offering but absolutely social media you've got to be teaching them how to put the post up you've got to be yeah. having music on and there's got to yeah. be lots and lots you of distractions you don't just leave a session these days with your take-home notes no the printouts mm -hmm. You need the resources, you need the website addresses, you need to know how to post what you've done. Hashtags. Even yeah. if you yeah. were probably posting it as you went along anyway. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's it's a broader experience now. It's not just about what goes on in the room. It's what goes on before oh, yeah. you got in the room and when you come out of the room. And, 
And traditionally, when, when we were growing up and doing training, you were never allowed to have a phone. No. But now, you know... We never oh, had phones. No. <laughs> well, Caroline. I was going to say that, but I think I'd skip that. <laughs> um, but, but even in, like, when phones were out in the 80s, um, is that, you know, you weren't allowed to have your, your, your phone out. Um, now, you know, they're using phones and tablets to make their, their notes, but they're also, they're photographing... All your slides that you present, I've noticed that. Mm. And the first thing I open with are my social, my name and my social media accounts. That's my opening slide now. Yeah. Um, so I do quite a lot of non-practical courses and making them fun and up, uplifting. But something I have found really engaging is sending them off in little groups, mixed people, mixed salons, mixed ages, and giving them discussion points talk about and come back and present all about the client all about communication all about consultation all about trends and I think that has been really important because I do feel that we spend a lot of time with our head down and our fingers working and not talking face to face and the primary thing about being a hairdresser the first thing you do is say hello my name is Carolyn shake the hand and say I'm going to do your hair today. Yeah. And we need to keep that sort of communication. So having activities has really mm-hmm. stimulated, and I think it's really made a difference. But as far as the classroom, there's, you know, phones and tablets and take, and using that photographically. As an educator, it can be off-putting, but you've actually got to go with it now because it's the world we live yeah, in. Yeah, you see a load of heads down over the screen when you're yeah. trying to engage. Yeah. yeah. Following the Choose Hair campaign, mm-hmm. which is about trying to get younger people to choose hair as a yes. career, there's been a big call to action, and even ourselves as a magazine, we've tried to help by going into the schools on the careers mm-hmm. days. I think they are also it's very important that whoever goes into the schools to talk remembers that these kids learn in different ways from mm-hmm. perhaps when you went to school. So even going to the careers fair, remember that they have experienced education in a very modern way mm. so to make hairdressing appear interesting you need to relate to that as well so to have things to look at to have pictures to talk about that side of hairdressing as well as the the technical side it's got to be really yeah. we've got to be careful with it with this and um i'm very passionate about trying to future proof our industry um as so we we have to do this we have to get young people and parents um to see that this is a great industry and we all know it's a great industry but getting people to actually come into this and stay in this and you know getting the colleges to be following exactly what you said we've got to you know are the colleges on instagram i don't know you know what what are they portraying and you've you're absolutely right people learn differently especially the younger generation and we've got to adapt Mm. our learning uh, our teaching skills to their yeah, learning and styles. the way we present it and to see it as an opportunity with ongoing education within it mm. I think as a career choice as a parent you would want your child to choose something that they are still going to grow and learn and develop so the education within hairdressing we we all know it and we all understand that the mantra is you never stop mm. learning you continue education right the way through to any age we've talked a lot about the younger ones but older important but we need to promote that as something that happens absolutely and I also think for some reason when we start talking about recruiting or you know going to a college now and I've been working actively through the juice hair campaign as well we tend to go really formal 
where we're in a creative industry and we should be, as you said, showcasing images, pictures, I think you said it, Nikki, pictures, you know, but also if you're going to go along to to um, talk to parents and things, you need your team there doing demos, you need, you know, people in hang, um, you know, talking about how fun it is to work in the fashion industry because we do work in the fashion industry, but for some reason we then portray it as, as a bit corporate when we start talking about yeah, recruiting. Yeah, a business opportunity. And I, and I do think there seems to be a separation of colleges and hair dressing and the salons and I think we need to be linking we need to be somehow coming together more um, and just as we talked about freelance I think you know freelancers are educating themselves and they're still a hairdresser and I think you know we're all doing the same job really however we all seem to be in these little separate sectors and I feel that you know we can if we work with colleges colleges work with salons we can be pulling together yeah. so that it's not from an outsider i.e a parent or a student or a teacher it looks very separate um, yeah i think the joy of hairdressing is that it is so diverse yes. and it can give you so many yeah. opportunities mm. but we need to be more together yeah. in promoting that yes. that story yes really how do we sorry, sorry so how, how do we get people to stay in a two-year course at college when the college courses are not really inspiring, and I feel like I'm opening a can of worms now and probably MVQ will come and hunt me down later, <laughs> but I don't feel that the MVQ curriculum actually represents what the hairdressing industry is. So you've, got, you've almost got to do your time and you hope that you're in a good salon, that you've got a good apprenticeship and that you survive, that someone teaches you well and mm. has model nights and does all those kind of things to keep you there. And that's where we've seen a lot of the fallout of a lot of hairdressers are not making it through those two years. But how can I, as a brand, go into a college and teach something that's not even on the curriculum? And they need to know what I'm offering as a yeah. brand. Yeah. You know, are they teaching balayage? Are they teaching mm. how to curl with mm. a, a styler? Are you teaching like blow dries that people are wanting to have when you come out of college? No, it's like blow dry straight. And, and yeah. also one of the dropouts is because of that, because they do the two years and then they go to a salon and the salon says, you're not ready to come or go on the floor. You're unemployable. you qualified, yeah. so you it's now have relevant. to train for another two years. Many times I've been doing things where I've had college tutors to come come and they've attended a course or I, I've done a couple of salons where they've invited their college people to come and actually attend because of the training and they are motivated they are dedicated um, and they want to do as much for the industry as we and I do think sometimes we put everyone we put them in a box and go oh they're in college so you know they're not very good um, and I think we need to try and merge that together but the salon and the college need to be communicating and working together but you also you have to be for yourself you have to self-learn yeah you, you know you can't just wait for someone to send you on a course no. you know if you really want to learn how to something do something go on a course and do it we are going to leave the massive subject of education there for the moment i'm sure it's something we will revisit a lot both with these guests and with others we hope we've sparked something in the conversation for those people listening but for now thank you very much joe robertson and carolyn newman thank you so much for your time both it's been wonderful to have you with us <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everyone listening to the podcast this week on education. Thanks to our guests, Joe Robertson and Carolyn Newman. I'm Nikki Pope and my partner is Lily Cox and we've prepared notes for you on interesting reading and practical advice on what you can do to join in the conversation on education. Please also don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to Respectfully on iTunes. If you'd like, email us at info at ihaa.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Until then, goodbye.